Welcome to an At The Flicks podcast special. For this show, we have a review of this year's London Film Festival and a catch-up on TV and streaming shows that are well worth seeing. For this notable lineup, we have brought in two very impressive contributors. For TV and streaming, we have brought back our expert, Deck. While for cinema, say hello to Emma. Emma is our latest contributor and a woman who, by her own admission, gets full value from her Cineworld card. Emma was a film critic at this October's London Film Festival, and like her Cineworld visits, she made sure she got maximum value out of the festival. To learn what Emma saw and what her thoughts were, let's go over to Jeff for an introduction. Today, you're at the Flix team, a privilege to be talking to Emma, who recently attended the London Film Festival. Hi, Emma. How are you doing? Hi there. I'm good, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to talking about it all. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you were there for the press showings of many of the films, is that correct? I was. The festival was on from the 2nd of October. They did have press screenings before, but unfortunately, because I don't live in London, I, I couldn't go to them, so I just turned up on the first day and uh, yeah tried to watch everything there must have been some long days <laughs> it was rather horrendous yes uh, <laughs> I set about like most people did make a schedule you know make sure I saw all the, the things that I really wanted to after day one I realised it just wasn't sustainable at all I was already exhausted <laughs> um, so uh, my original 28 films I had planned to do and then just filling gaps with other things, quickly got cut down so that I would be able to make it through to the end of the festival. So how many days were you going to watch 28 films over? Well, it was at least 28 films because, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, But obviously it's it's on from the 2nd to the 13th and I had planned to go every single day. All right. Okay. Wow. In the end, I only did 10 days, which was more than enough. That's dedication. Uh, no, yeah. that's something you wouldn't understand, Neil. But um... <laughs> dedication or madness, it's one or the other. <laughs> We're not here to judge, <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no. but we are rolling our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> was it your first London Film Festival? It was. I'd never really thought about doing any of them before. Uh, there's the Bath Film Festival that's yeah really close by, and I'd looked at those ones before, but something this big, I just thought oh, it's not really for me. I just like a hobbyist when it comes to to watching films but I've figured I might as well give it a try and so it was a very good first experience and I'm looking forward to doing it again. So it was quite well organised then? Uh, okay. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Because <laughs> it had its moments. It's, uh, for the most part it was well organised. Ah good, good. And of course there's always <laughs> a Bristol Film Festival as well isn't there? I have looked at it but to me, a film festival should be about all things new and wonderful. The only things I've seen happening in Bristol seem to be more older, like classics and things like that. Uh, perhaps I'm just not looking in the right places, but, but it's certainly something I keep an eye out on. I tried to get Graham and Neil to go watch The Descent in the caves underneath Bristol where they seal you in, but <laughs> I couldn't sell it really. No. I tried. You were just trying I... to seal us in, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd be in for that one either. <laughs> right, let's get to the heart of the matter then. What were the films you saw and what were your thoughts on them then, Emma? So I saw 24 in total in the end. Nothing that was 
absolutely horrendous, which was uh, a bonus, definitely. On one of your recent podcasts, you were talking about, I'm going to call it Ford versus Ferrari because everyone is. Yeah. Uh, but yep. Le Mans 66, that was a great watch and certainly one of my highlights of the festival. Yeah, I don't like Matt Damon. I'm sorry. I just don't. After watching this, I've actually changed my mind. Uh, he made a, an excellent performance. Christian Bale, he did the Christian Bale thing. He lost a whole ton of weight after being in Vice and brought an interesting accent to the film. But uh, it just really worked for me. So that was definitely a highlight. Did you know the story beforehand? Only vaguely. With lots of the things that are based on real stories that were at the festival, I, I only had the most basic of knowledge going in. I made a point of when I was looking at films to go to, I read the synopsis. I tried to avoid who was in the film, who was directing, you know, anything. Literally just tried to read the synopsis and go in a bit, bit blind to things to try and get an unbiased opinion. See, this has been advertised places though, and so I had earmarked this one quite quickly. So I was really pleased to get to see that, and uh, I can't wait to go and see it again when it comes out of the cinema. That was James Mangold, director? I'm going to nod. On a okay. podcast, which is really great. That works, yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, okay. no, that's no. fine. We'll... No, okay. I think I think it is James Mangle, and I could hear you nodding. <laughs> yes, he direct Logan. He did direct Logan. Yeah. Okay, one up your street. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, no, that. Um... <laughs> you were looking forward to that. Oh, excellent! What else out of that twenty-four list? The other one that I would really recommend everyone go and see is the Aeronaut. Oh uh, yes. That- Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones. Obviously, again, a true story, uh, you know, discovering the fortune telling that is weather prediction. It was amazing to watch. The visuals are fantastic. It's actually been filmed for IMAX screens. So I would recommend people go and see it in that if they can, because even just seeing it on a regular screen, like you can just tell it's going to be amazing to watch. I went through my notes. I just finished writing up my review for it, and there's hardly any negative comments i made in it so yeah i mean that's that's definitely one to to go out and and see when it's uh, available now i hear the story that amazon prime were thinking of bypassing cinemas with it from what you're saying that would have been a huge mistake oh absolutely absolutely imax all the way that's one of the things that looking at the films i saw there are a lot of things like the king that is going straight to netflix now that is a great shame that really need the cinema experience. The audio and the visual in the fight are just so good that watching it at home is just going to waste so much of that cinematography and, and sound. That's a new one on me. What's The King about? Henry V and oh. Agincourt. Okay. And uh, <laughs> they've just actually, I think, they've just released a new trailer. It's just amazing. Yeah, this is coming back to me now. I do. I, yeah, this is a, a combination uh, of a couple of the Shakespeare plays. Doesn't Robert Pattinson play French Dufon or something like that? He he does indeed, and well, I'm I'm not a great fan of him anyway. As soon as he came on screen and he spoke, the entire audience just started laughing. Oh, not a, good, <laughs> not a good omen, is it really? No. He is there as, I, I really felt like he was just in it for comic relief. <laughs> Every time he came on screen, that, like everyone was laughing. So I do really want to see that again without the laughter track from, from the rest of the audience. But uh, <laughs> that's coming out, I think that's the 1st of November, that one's on Netflix. 
So worth okay. catching. What else on your list, Emma? So I had really been looking forward to Knives Out. And I have to say, being my most anticipated, it was probably the biggest disappointment of the things that I actually saw. Oh, dear. If you've seen the trailer, you I know, have, it's obviously, yeah. it, it looks a bit Agatha Christie meets Clue uh, with a massive A-list car. And I just thought, yes, that's what I need to see. That looks great. And while I did enjoy it, again, I think it was, it was the audience reaction around me that I, I got to points and I was like, that was quite amusing. And everyone was roaring with laughter. I don't know. I was just like, oh, maybe am I just not enjoying this? Is, like, is there something about this that, that they see that I don't? And that actually came up a lot whilst I was watching things in general, that the reaction around me didn't quite match what I was feeling. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty much the only one not laughing or not gasping at something. Again, that's something I really want to see again so that I can get a, a different reaction. I'm not going to be sitting there taking notes. I'm not going to be worrying about analysing what I'm seeing on the screen. See if it makes a difference to the viewing because, like I say, I enjoyed it, but it felt a bit predictable, but not in that nostalgic way where all Agatha Christie's kind of had the same plot to them. You know what's going to happen and and that's comforting to watch. But in this, I was like, oh, this is going to happen next. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yep, saw that coming. Oh, and, no. uh, <laughs> did you work out the mystery beforehand? I don't want to know what it is, by the way, but did you suss it, the, it, the ending? Yes. I tried not to think about it too much. So I can usually switch off when I see films. I like having that bit of a surprise if I can, can get it. But like I say, it was quite predictable. It does follow a lot of the mystery-type rules that you'd expect. While there were bits that surprised me, I could see where it was going eventually. So I think that probably did take off a little bit of the shine for the movie, but um, we shall see what a second viewing brings of that one. I'm hoping, I'm hoping good things. What about performances? I mean, it is an A-list cast. What, what, what were the performances like? It sounds like you had a bit of a problem with the plotting and, and the narrative. Everyone in it was very good. There wasn't a role that I thought, oh, no, I would have just cut that completely. They all worked quite well together, but you've got so many great, actors and actresses there that no one really gets a lot of screen time it felt like there was a they had a lot more in them that they could have brought to the front in their performances that we just missed out on just one of those things i think is probably going to be a real big hit when it comes out but to me being a fan of mystery escapade type film it didn't hit the right note for me sadly oh that's interesting really interesting okay just to, just to get in comparison here, what did you think of the recent murder on the Orient Express? Oh. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, all right then. Kenneth no, no, Branagh no. really shouldn't be Poirot. That's just, just how I feel about it. <laughs> what, what else? Huh? One of the interesting things I saw was Rare Beef, which is Billy Piper's brainchild, shall we call it. She wrote it and directed it and starred in it. That was interesting. I got together with a, a few Twitter people and we were all sitting in the in the row watching that. We seemed to doze off every now and then during it, uh, which is sadly a reflection on about half of the, the film itself. Like a few other things, it seems like it actually might be suited to a TV series rather than a film, which was interesting to, to deal with. But it was a very good directorial debut for Billy Piper. 
What, what's it about? Um, Billy Piper's character, she is out in the dating pool again. It's her experiences with her son and generally life getting to her. And yeah, it's described as the anti-rom-com single mother. And it's just about how she deals with dating and, and falling in love with a guy who's really not that good for her. And there's not a lot more going on in the film, but it has lots of moments. Like at one point, we genuinely thought it was going to turn into a musical. Oh, wow. It didn't, but oh, right. it, it turned into the sort of a, a stage play type thing. And it's got a lot going on with it, but we're not quite sure what the idea behind it was. There are a few things that, that we saw sort of over the course of the festival that, that had this same vibe. It's like you could see where they were going, but at some point it hadn't quite met that potential. So that, that caused some debates between us once we, we came out of that one. The, the direction was great from her, but the film itself lacked something. Just looking over my list to see what else I saw, there's just loads of, of random things, really. Probably the biggest one that I think most people were looking forward to was actually Jojo Rabbit, but I did skip that one. Oh, I... no. <laughs> so everyone was very dedicated to that one. I wasn't sure I wanted to see it. So I did let everyone else do that one and went about watching other things. The morning films in particular, which this was one of them, I really thought, like, my brain is not going to be in gear. I've woken up at, like, 5 a.m. I don't need to be seeing films where I, I might have to use my brain slightly more. Is, is that why you didn't <laughs> fancy it? Or because uh, I know a lot of people, are, it's a little bit of controversy around it because of the subject matter. I'm not so bothered about the controversy that's going on around it. I don't know. I just didn't fancy it didn't encounter anyone that, that had negative things to say about it after the fact. I will quite happily wait for that one until it comes out in the cinema. Yeah, it's the first couple of days of January, I think. Yes. One of the, the great things that I saw the film and I thought I don't regret getting up at quarter to five was uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Uh, no, this is oh, high yeah. on my list. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. again, I got some Twitter people. We were all in the queue together. And we, we sat together and watched the film. And when we came out, we were all just standing there, pretty much silent. It it had a real effect on us. So I had to go for a walk afterwards because I was like, I don't understand what this film has done to me. It really does make you stop and think. And it might not be the best film that was at the festival, but it certainly it had a great impact and very emotional pieces to it. Obviously, over here, Mr. Rogers, I know of the, the character and things about him, but it's not something that I've ever, like I didn't grow up around it or anything. But still to, to have that impact out of what would be its natural habitat for in America, uh, it's just <laughs> it, quite breathtaking. It was, it's really difficult to explain how it made you feel when you came out, but it was emotional. <laughs> yeah, so my thoughts on this, and I haven't seen it, so I, I can't say, so you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, <laughs> but we're living in very cynical times, both here mm. and in the States at the moment. And this seems to have a simplicity to it that goes against the current of where, where we currently are. Do you think, am, am I right in my assessment before I see it? And if oh, I Very much so. And, and yeah. do you think that will be something that will really catch on? You know, people have had enough of the cynicism, certainly in political life that we've got at the moment, and, and, and this might really catch fire. 
I genuinely hope so. Putting it that way, you're very right. It does go against everything that's going on at the moment. And it is genuinely a very uplifting feeling that we got after seeing that. I really hope it does like appeal to, to a lot of people, even though, as I say, it's not necessarily something that we would have grown up on over here. I like Tom Hanks and I like positive life affirming stories. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be a, a winner. I'm definitely gonna be seeing it again. And I will be making everyone see it okay. <laughs> when they ask me for recommendations. That will be the top of my list. Excellent. Yeah, and everything about Mr. Rogers <laughs> seems like yeah, a really nice guy. Yeah. That'd be something for you to learn from, Neil. Um <sighs> So you can tell a theme. I just ignore him. <laughs> He'll go away one day. So, so from the from those heights, we're next. Well, I have to say, you go to that wonderful, uplifting place of a beautiful day in the neighbourhood, and everything else was a little bleak. A lot of drama and emotional drama to watch for a lot of the films. A one that I'd been really looking forward to is Clemency. Which is uh, based around uh, a prison uh, that has the death penalty, and it's the story of how the the warden, a female warden, how she deals with the consequences, like dealing with the prisoners due to be executed, and the impact it has on everything around her. It was a powerful thing to watch. Another one where. The audience were reacting differently to me. You see some of the lethal injection moments. The first one that happens goes wrong. It's obviously quite a distressing scene. Done really well on screen, though, uh, and you get that tense feeling from it. But the one thing that happened was there's a lot of blood. All of a sudden, it comes out of nowhere. You you know something is going to happen. You can tell like what's happening in the scene is building to something. Whether I just watched too many things like Criminal Minds and gory films and things, I don't know. Everyone around me reacted very strongly to that. It was quite a, a harsh image on the screen. And I was actually more shocked by their reaction than I was by what was happening, which again, as I say with the other things, it, it made me pause to, to wonder you know, whether I just wasn't engaged enough with the film whilst I was watching it, or whether it's just I watched so much stuff that it's just kind of all washes over me at some point. Some excellent performances. The thing that's actually drawn me to it is it's got Alder Todge in it. I always love watching Leverage uh, television series and he's in that. So I really wanted to, to see this one. It's a very different role. There's also a laugh in Leverage and this is a very serious role and he plays the next inmate that is due to be executed a lot of the film is watching his progress through appeals and getting to the day of the execution and the ending is very emotional and it is really powerful to watch glad i I managed to see that because i'm not sure that's necessarily something that that we will get in the cinemas certainly not for christmas It's not a very uplifting film, I'm afraid. Uh, nothing left on my list is. <laughs> did, but you didn't um, see that the same day as A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, did you? No, no. That, oh, uh, wow. that, cheerful, that cheerful bit of cinema ended day one of the festival for oh, me. All right, okay. So when I got home after that, 
did also colour my choices for the rest of my days there. Yeah, I don't think it's one you're going to forget. So you said there's nothing light left on your list, so uh, let's go for it then. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a look. Uh, there are a couple of good sci-fi films, actually, that, that I saw. Oh, yes, uh, please. Sci-fi slash horror, shall we say. Wounds, which has just come out on Netflix. It's got Army Hammer in it. Oh, right. uh, and Zazie Beats. Yes, Zazie Beats, yeah, from Joker. Yeah. It has its flaws, but it's actually quite, it's one of those amusing sci-fi horror type things to watch, which is more up my street than all-out gore fest. It's an interesting idea, but it doesn't seem to be quite fully formed. Uh, again, uh, as I said, that seems to be a little bit of a problem with some of the, the films. It turns along quite nicely. The, the idea is that Army Hammer plays a bartender. He's just going through life at a bit of a snail pace. He's not really bothered by nothing. One day in the bar, some uh, college students come in. They leave the phone uh, during a fight. They disappear. Phone's on the floor. He picks it up. The phone starts getting messages, and he decides, rather than put it in lost property, of course he's going to try and open the phone and read those messages. And in the process, he discovers some disturbing things on there. There's some kind of supernatural element to it that's not quite explained. It's not one for the faint-hearted if you don't like bugs. Yeah, if you don't like bugs, I, I wouldn't recommend it. But <laughs> okay, it's a it's a it's a passable one to watch, especially at, at Halloween. I would see that being quite a good one to sit with friends, drinking and laughing at. Probably, it seems to be generally accepted as not a bad film. <laughs> I'd say that's one Graham might give a go to, but um, the other not one, so sure. No, no? Okay. <laughs> sure. There was a lot of Netflix films from the sound of it then. Yeah, I was quite surprised. Uh, as I said earlier, I, I just went through, read the synopsis, and I didn't really take notice of where it was coming out, who was in it, things like that. And when I came up with my final list, which was as long as my arm, it was ridiculous, I was actually surprised how many Netflix and Amazon Studios films that I'd got on my list the king which I, I mentioned that is a netflix film and i'm really surprised by that it's so cinematic to think they thought oh yeah that'll that'll go on our streaming service seems a little mad to me but they really picked some quite good films to, to put out there yeah i'd be interested to see what more they've got up their sleeve and what other ones that i actually missed of theirs that were, that were at the festival so that was one sci-fi film what was the other one uh, so the other one did a classic nicholas cage Oh, right. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, it was Colour Out of Space. Not quite peak cage. Oh, right. Okay. Um, he was only like about half as crazy as you'd expect him to be in, in certain things. It's actually based off a, an H.P. Lovecraft short story. It is very creepy to watch. I've actually got myself a copy of the, the short story to read because I'd be interested to see how it, it does compare. The visuals are amazing. It's all very confined. A lot of it takes place in and around this family home out in the woods. It's quite good, but at the same time, I would need to watch it again because I couldn't quite work out what was happening. I think I wasn't quite prepared for what I was going to be seeing as it was. I got the ticket three minutes before the film was supposed to start. I hadn't had a chance to, to go over anything and, and like check out if there'd been any reaction to it already. 
it was interesting to watch. So not peak Cage, but uh, definitely an entertaining film of his. It's also got um, Jolie Richardson in it, who again, I haven't seen her in anything for a while, personally, but uh, she gave a, a great performance in that. So what's the basic setup of the story? So they're out in, in the wilds of the, the wood and uh, a guy who's testing the environment for contaminants and things like that, he's there when a meteorite strikes in their back garden. Whatever this meteorite has in it has affected the whole family. Strange things start happening. The guy who's come to test things has advised them that it's, you know, there's something odd going on. Got your typical strange man in a hut in the woods is also affected and then all these plants that are, are cropping up so completely alien environment starts popping up around the house all the, the children and the parents are affected and starts to devolve into something really really creepy um, definitely an entertaining watch like i say i would need to to see it again to take in all of it because there was a lot of mad stuff happening You've heard the show. You know what my two co-hosts are like with anything remotely resembling (laughs) horror. Would they survive it? There are a couple of bits that I would consider to be horror. And while they didn't bother me, they are a little on the gory side. Potentially, it might be something they want to give a miss. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for the warning. Good enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Emma says no. So that's good enough for me. Yes. Yeah. Whatever Jeff says, Emma said no. Um, <laughs> okay, but it does have Nicolas Cage in it. That's a that's it a does. tough call. That's a have tough you call. seen Mandy? No, I haven't that's seen Mandy. Barking Mad. That is. Yeah. Have you seen that one ever? You know what? I bought that on someone's recommendation, and I still haven't watched it. It is downstairs on my shelf, still sealed in its cellophane. So uh, I'm definitely going to need to get that one out and uh, have a watch. Yeah, on the scale you set up, that's full Cage. <laughs> <laughs> You never go full cage. You shouldn't go full cage, no. You never see anything like this. <laughs> right, okay. Okay. What else is on your list? Um, it was actually the first film I saw at the film festival, Lucky Grandma, which is it's about chain-smoking Chinese grandma. who uh, She ends up going uh, on a trip to a casino. She's been told that you know great things are coming her way. She takes this trip. She starts winning big, and then, of course, she plays for slightly too long and loses everything. Gets back on the, the coach to come home and uh, ends up coming across uh, a large amount of cash, um, which unfortunately turns out to belong to a local gang. Um, but she, she takes it and uh, she starts living her best life. It's based around how she then deals with being chased by the gang to get their money back. And she actually goes and, and hires herself a bodyguard. She's a frugal little old lady, so she doesn't want to pay a lot of money. She gets herself this rather lovely guy from the, the local gang who follows her around, and it's very amusing. And we see like a friendship begin between the, the younger bodyguard and her and the trouble they get themselves into with the gang. I don't think it's got any distribution plans in the UK but uh, it's certainly something to keep an eye out for because it, it is an amusing little film. Oh, sounds great. It's a great plot. <clears throat> something a little bit different, you know, adding grannies to something just makes it more entertaining. So <laughs> <laughs> so the other film that I should probably mention is The Lighthouse. Oh, right, yes. 
Willem Dafoe and another Robert Pattinson film. That was nuts. Really? <laughs> that is the easiest way to describe it. It was crazy. <laughs> I was reading a little bit about it earlier, and it's actually been filmed in a... I won't bore you with the technical details because I don't really understand them myself. It's been filmed in a very specific way. The black and white film is actually... It's a, I think it's a higher contrast, and like they had to film with very bright light so that you could actually see it on film. And the way it's presented on screen is actually, uh, I mean, I put in my notes that it's like the 4-3 the ratio, but I think it's something more like 1.2 to 1, something like that. It's, so it's, it's pretty much a square yeah, on the screen. And I wasn't expecting what I saw at all. The story is basically the two of them go out to a lighthouse in the middle of the ocean they're, they're due to be there for yeah, about a month I think it is and they very quickly start to go a little bit crazy this sort of filming is perfect for Willem Dafoe's face <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously you know, if you ask someone about Willem Dafoe you go all oh, those scary features and in this lighting and the filming effects he looks very scary certainly fits the crazy aspect of the film as they they get more and more mad from being on the island. Robert Pattinson, another film with, with him in it. Nobody laughed this time when he spoke, did they? No. <laughs> uh, the accent is not good. Oh, God, great. <laughs> but but less laughing, less laughing. I, I'm not sure Robert Pattinson should do accents, is what I took away from the festival. But actually, it was a very strong performance from him. Well, I'm not necessarily completely on board with him acting now, that certainly did help his case a lot. Willem Dafoe's character is very much a control freak. He wants to be in charge of everything. So he's left to do the cleaning and you know, just all the odd jobs. He's not allowed to do anything to, to do with the lighthouse. We watch him watching Dafoe's character uh, and experiencing the island from down below uh, and gradually losing his mind piece by piece. While I enjoyed certain aspects of it, it wasn't quite my sort of film. I, oh, the smaller aspects of the screen, well, I understand why they did it, because they were going for that old-fashioned feel, and you do get that. The, the way it is filmed is fantastic, but I find that ratio of screen very difficult to watch. I find it quite distracting because obviously it's always going to be projected on a giant screen. I'm just sort of very much aware of that unused space. I wasn't necessarily a fan of it, but there are some very good technical aspects to it. And as I say, uh, Pattinson's performance was, was very good. That sounds really interesting. I, I mean, I get problems with the bars at the top and bottom of, of films, so God knows what having them down the side's going to do to me. <laughs> It's the same issue I had with uh, mid-90s. I don't know if you saw that one when it came out. But again, uh, a lot of that, I think, was, was filmed as if it was supposed to be off a, a handheld camera. Uh, oh, that was that, a again, skateboarder that was the, that was a one. Was... Yeah, yeah. That was, again, a smaller ratio. And I, I just, uh, I'm done with that. <laughs> and also it was very dark as well. It's in the mm. lighting. Was the lighting awful. was bad. Okay. Yeah. No. Wow. That is an incredible list of films. A lot of 
a lot that I want to see there as well. Yeah, there's certainly there are a lot of, of great films on on show there. Um, I was a bit sad, but I didn't get to see more really. What's your next festival <laughs> you've got lined up? I have got myself a couple of tickets to go and see things at Film Bar Festival, which is on in November. I, I want to go and see Harriet. I didn't manage to see that at the London Film Festival, so that's that's something that that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I've actually got myself a ticket to. Uh, the IMDb Awards show that they're doing there as well. Earlier in the year, I went to their script to screen event. Uh, it wasn't something I was really aware of before. Saw it sounded interesting. It's it's basically they present a few short scripts, and at the end of award show, they give one of them the money to actually produce this film. So in the the one I'm going to in November, they're actually going to be showing that film that won uh, called Home Wreckers, and it was the the script itself was amazing. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that actually created. So Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure talking. Now you write out a lot of your reviews, got your own blog. So anybody listening to this, where can they go find your reviews? I am on Twitter. My handle is Emma at the Movies, and it's at Vision in Movies. And my blog is Emma at the movies.blogspot.com. I always put all my reviews up on Twitter, so it's, it's easy to follow off there and uh, catch up on my movie news. And we'll put a link in our show notes as well. Yep. It's been great talking to you, and I look forward to catching up with you for the end of year. Thank you very much indeed. Yep. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. Thank, thank you for having me. Wow, that has greatly added to my must-watch movie list for this year. Thanks, Emma. It was great to talk to you, and we hope to catch up with you again soon. From the large screen to the small screen, although looking at most TV screens these days, I don't think I can describe them as small. Let's go over to Deck for his view of the best TV and streaming from recent months. Hi, Dak. How's it going? Uh, Very well, thank you. Good, good. Right, what have you got on your list? Well, it's interesting. Compared to the last time I spoke to you guys, which was over a very nice warm summer where I didn't have so much to report on, (laughs) now we're in the prime. We're in the autumn season when TV ramps up. I presume this is based on tradition before streaming services, but... There is an awful lot of good stuff that I'm in the middle of and that I've finished watching. Just really, really good stuff. I'm in the middle of a load of good things, and I'll chat about that later. My highlight um, on Netflix is the true crime drama, Unbelievable. I stumbled across this because it was one of those where Netflix says, you've watched this, I recommend you watch this. It was incredible. I'm not a binger. I don't normally binge. I normally watch one episode and then have a break and then come back to it. I couldn't get away from this one. I found myself every every time I had a spare half an hour, I wanted to watch another half an hour of it. I must have watched it all in about a week, which for me is is quick. Incredible cast, Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver play the two female cops that try and catch the killer. It's a true crime drama based on a serial rapist. It's quite harrowing to watch at times because obviously the subject matter, but oh, it's brilliant. And you just sit there and you see what happens to the victims and you see some of the inadequate policing that goes on, and then you see the brilliance of the female cops that are, are played. It, it's just brilliant. It's just you sit there with your head in your hands going, no, no, no. And then as they get closer, you're like, yes, 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 you're getting closer. 
And it's just, and to believe it's all true as well is, you know, it's phenomenal. And that one of the main victims, Caitlin Diva, who was in Booksmart, the film, film that oh, you guys yeah. recommended. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Right. Yep. She is incredible because she plays the victim and she doesn't play it like, you know, all bursting into tears, everything well in the world. She just plays it like how you imagine a victim to be just like PTSD, you know, like her life is just falling apart because of this main event and she loses confidence in herself and everything seems to go wrong and and the two female cops just don't give up i guess i haven't researched it but i guess it was over a long period that this took to catch him because it seems like they're forever trying to chip away at clues and trying to find and trying to capture him and it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant okay well that's going straight on my list thank you right what else um, and then some of the things that I did mention in my last thing that I was going to watch, and I did. So I watched Stranger Things Series 3. Stranger Things is still, I still like it. I still enjoy it. Obviously, it's a third series, so it's starting to fade a little bit. And it looks like you can tell they've been given a bit more money. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the special effects are a bit more impressive. And it's a bit more gruesome and, and, and more horror-like than the previous ones. So oh, wow. So okay. whereas, yeah, as opposed before, you didn't see too much of the creature, probably because of budget restraints. Now you see an awful lot of it and it can get quite gruesome. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Obviously, it's you know set in the 80s and everything and I grew up in that period. So it's, um, yeah, so, yeah, it was still good, enjoyable. And the family is one of the ones we watched as a family, so it was good for that reason. Oh, that sounds brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm still, I, I finished series two. I haven't got to series three yet. There's just so much on. That's the problem. I know. The other one I said to you guys that I watched is The Dark Crystal, and I absolutely loved it. I tell you, I, it took a couple of episodes to get into it. You've got to remember the characters. Obviously, it's a prequel anyway, but you've got to sort of remember the, the world. So in the first couple of episodes, you're sort of getting into it, and you're getting used to the different clans and everything. It just sucks you in, and then it's just, yeah, again, it's just gripping. It's I, I just thought it was brilliant. And people say, well, how can you watch puppets? You know, it's just puppets. You know, you forget they're yep, puppets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, like Deet, I fell in love with Deet and I thought she was amazing. Yeah. I thought Hup was just brilliant. Uh, Chamberlain, Simon Pegg's, you know, uh, voice for Chamberlain and everything was just fantastic. It was so <laughs> creepy and sneaky and devious and it was just brilliant. I was just, oh, I just loved it from start to finish. So, and Then another one that I sort of stumbled upon, I saw it on a blog I was reading and so I was quite interested in seeing it, is uh, Criminal on Netflix again. So this is only three episodes. Um, so it's not a big overhaul. And basically, it's all set in a police interview room. And there's three episodes. So the first one is, is the highlight. So if, if nothing, just watch the first one. David Tennant is in being interviewed by the police, and you don't know whether he's guilty or innocent because you don't see any before or anything. You just literally have the interview. And you keep changing your mind. You, you sit there and you're thinking he's guilty. No, he's not. No, he's innocent. <laughs> no, he's guilty. No, he's innocent. And you come away with it not not really knowing. Uh, no spoilers or anything. I'm not going to say anything, but it's just brilliant. And then, of course, the other two episodes follow a similar thing. You have different people being interviewed. And again, you're trying to work out which side of the fence you're on. Uh, I just really enjoyed it. Really good. It sounds a bit claustrophobic. Is it all just set in the interview room or do they go outside at any point? They go outside the interview room, but in the police station still. And I, did they go to the pub? I think they might have. But, <laughs> but basically, it's just in the interview room. That's That's the main thing. And that's on Netflix? That's three episodes? Yeah, Netflix. They're not a big investment, so no. worth it if you've got a small, a small gap. Okay. The other one I said I was going to watch, and I did, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, was Jin. So this was the Egyptian supernatural sort of series. Ah, um, yeah. That I, yeah. 
again, I thought it was really well made. I mean, what I love, and I, I know this is a theme of one of your previous podcasts, what I love about foreign language films is the culture that comes with them. Yeah. So it's not so much the, the foreign language, you get the culture. And of course, I don't know a huge deal about Egypt, apart from obviously the pyramids and things. So to see a film that's based around older teenage school kids in Egypt and picking up their culture, and a lot of it's set around Petra, and of course Petra's beautiful. So they film a lot of it in and around Petra. And it's really well made. I like supernatural ones that don't go too silly. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously supernatural, but an element of you have to sort of take a pinch of salt. But I thought it was well done. It was believable supernatural. It wasn't ridiculous. It was sort of a possession type story. Thoroughly enjoyed that. It wasn't that long. It wasn't a huge long series. So Okay. Is that just one series or are they doing another one? They might do another one, I suppose it depends how successful it was, but that was just one series. Okay. Okay. You have been busy. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah. yeah, I had another couple that you probably can't I'm not sure whether they're still on iPlayer or not, but they were on BBC Four. Again, I'm a big fan of Scandi drama and I watched two Danish thrillers. I watched the season two of Beneath the Service, which I like Beneath the Service. I like the main character lead who plays it. And that was interesting this time. So they, 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 it was basically hostages on a ferry, passengers being held hostage by supposedly Islamic State terrorists. But it, there was a bit of a twist. But, but that was good. I enjoyed that. So that was the second series of that. And then Darkness, Those Who Kill, was a bit more gruesome because it was about the kidnapping of teenage girls being held hostage. But again, I like I have a thing for the sort of dark thriller type thing which is why I, I quite often go to bbc4 on a saturday evening and, and catch one of the scandinavian dramas yeah i love scandinavian dramas i love the bridge and uh, was the other one with sarah lund the killing the killing yeah brilliant yeah. and then to so so that i don't just turn into a man who just watches dark miserable <laughs> stuff okay on iplayer i found a real gem called state of the union mm-hmm. um there's 10 episodes but they're only 10 minutes long so you can dip in and out of it. It just involves two characters played by Rosamund Pike and Chris O'Dowd, and they're a couple going to marriage counselling. But you don't see them going to the marriage counselling. You see them sat in the pub meeting up five minutes before they go to their session. <laughs> and it's just so well written. The writing and the acting is absolutely brilliant. So you literally get them for like the five, ten minutes meeting in the pub, what they talk about, before they go in. Sometimes they're sort of going over what happened in the last session. Sometimes they've just something that's happened to them. It is brilliant. It sort of sort of captures how couples that have been married for a long time sort of talk to each other, but it's it's witty and it's just the script is is just, you know, it's so tight. It's it's brilliant. I thoroughly recommend it. And with 10 minutes, you know, you've got a spare 10 minutes, you can watch one episode and you'll be laughing in that 10 minutes. You'll probably find you'll watch another one. But yeah, it was really, really good. Okay. Um, one other, down, three yeah, to go. The other one was it was series two of Motherland. I don't know whether you guys caught the first series of Motherland, but no. the second series is out now at the moment. And I binge watched that because I just love it. So basically, it's a group of sort of middle class mums. You sort of see them after they've dropped the kids off. And they're it's just basically the funny things that happen to parents. You know, I've been through this. Obviously, my kids have grown up now, but yeah. the silly things you have to making cakes for school events or whatever and, and how things go wrong and how you know your life can be a complete mess but done very humorously um one of the episodes in this series they decided it was half term to go away to a cottage we do these things and we wonder why on earth we've done them because it's chaos and <laughs> but they did and it was hilarious it was just 
I think it's funnier if you've been through that and experienced it yourself, because there's, there's a lot of it where you just think, yes, that's happened to me. And, and yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that. And it, again, it's only six episodes, easy to get through, but yeah, especially if you've been a parent, I recommend that. Okay. That's brilliant. Yes. Another one I found on iPlayer is called Defending the Guilty. Apparently this is based on a book. I, I haven't heard about the book, but it's a comedy about a team of cutthroat lawyers. And there's sort of, there's four sort of um, young youngsters basically going through their training. It's funny. And, and they're all given a, a more experienced sort of barrister to learn from. And one of them is played by Catherine Parkinson from the It Crowd. Oh, um, yes. And she's very good. And it's Will Sharp, who seems to be in more and more at the moment. He's one of the young sort of um, male actors that's in it. Again, it's just funny. It's a humorous look at what barristers do and what they have to do and when they have to def- basically defend the guilty. And I haven't looked into it, so I don't know whether the book is was a humorous book or whether it was based on someone's experiences in being a barrister and then the comedy's based on that. I'm not sure. But again, it's lighthearted entertainment, very good fun. And then what I mentioned last time I was going to watch, I did watch the second series of Disenchantment. I didn't enjoy it as much as the first, to be honest. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because there was less of Alpha in it. Whereas last time, I think there was a, a sort of a good story arc going along. I think now, I, I don't know. I don't know whether you've seen it yet, Graham. Yeah, but yeah I have. I've. Funny you I've should say that because I've actually, I watched the first two or three i think and then whereas before i watched it all over a, a number of days this one i got to number three and i thought oh i'm gonna watch something else it just didn't seem to have the the sparkle of the first one i think elfo is definitely missing the cat was also missing from the first one as they were trying to get him out of the jar so and i thought oh she's not strong enough on her own she needs her little team around her to make her very funny I shall go back and finish it off. I'm watching some other things. Yeah, well, I'm glad you agree with me on that one because I wasn't sure if it was just me, but yeah. They're all the things that I've watched and, and finished watching. I've got two um, sort of gems that are on the go that I would like to just quickly mention because yeah. they haven't finished yet because they haven't been aired yet because they're still in transmission. But I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend the BBC's new drama, World on Fire, set in the, the first year of World War II. But what's really good about it, what I really like about it, it's made so well. I mean, you know, it's a BBC production, but it's seen from various people's points of view. So, so one angle is a Polish girl who has to deal with the fact that the Germans are invading. And then one is from a sort of a working class lad who, when he signs up because it saves, stops him having a prison sentence. So he sort of goes into it with a sort of, he's a bit cocky, but he obviously is brought down to earth. Another one is sort of from an upper class man who just becomes an officer because of his background you know and i just like this when you see sort of similar events going on from different countries point of views and different classes point of views i, I i'm three episodes in and thoroughly enjoying that well that that, that um, again stuff. that sounds brilliant thanks for the recommendation on that one and the other one which i'm i'm enjoying i'm a bit worried that it might it might go down the wrong it's the problem with these murder mysteries is that sometimes you get worried that are they going to end really poorly? But it's called Dublin Murders. And basically, it's an intriguing one. So a young girl's found murdered right at the start in a wood. The thing about it that's interesting is there's been children supposedly murdered there like 30 years ago in the 80s. They never found their bodies. So they've got no thing, but they're, you know, so you don't know, but you assume they have been murdered and the bodies just haven't been found. But the interesting, I mean, I can't, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but there's an interesting link with the people who are investigating it. It's just interesting because it's, 
it's something a bit different because the problem with a lot of murder mysteries that you've seen it all before. And I yeah. think the fact you've got this a 30 year gap makes it a bit interesting because you're, you're sort of looking back at what happened 30 years ago. And then the same people now have grown up and had children and other things. And then your sort of your, your list of suspects is quite interesting. So, yeah, I'm hoping that continues the good work. That's a hell of a list. No, that's that, that's my list. Don't worry. I mean, the only one, the only one I am just started to watch. I'm three episodes in. Is was recommended by one of your other listeners, Paul. He recommended the French horror uh, Marianne, and it is quite good. I know you guys aren't into <laughs> horror, no. Um, but <laughs> what I like about it is it uses music and noises very effectively. If you turned the sound off, it wouldn't be anything that good. I whoever did the sound and the music. It's brilliant. As I say, you could do the opposite. You could just listen to the sounds and you'd be free. (laughs) I think it's actually really, and I I know that's a, that is a good quality of horror is I find if you've got a creepy music and creepy sound effect, it can really ramp up the scare factor. And this does, I don't recommend you guys watch it because it is gory and it is scary, but for anyone who's into that sort of thing, uh, it is good. I am enjoying it, but it is very weird. Um, Obviously a bit of French in there, but yeah. One, One thing I wanted to say is really interesting. I've noticed, especially since doing this with you guys last time, not just it being the summer meant that I didn't I didn't have as much time to watch telly, but it's interesting that p- people like the BBC still seem to have the seasons. So they still seem to have a ramp up in autumn when they know people are going to be indoors, in the dark, more likely to watch. And they seem to put the good stuff on in the autumn season and in the in the winter season after January. And the rest of the year they don't. Yet with streaming, that shouldn't be a thing anymore but it still seems to be around so so it's just interesting that you know i watched a lot more netflix in the summer because there wasn't much being churned out of the the main channels whereas now it's like the bbc have had all this stuff ready and being made and they're releasing and now it's like wow there's all this good and there's loads of more good stuff coming out over the next few weeks and it's just it's really interesting that i i presume it's the way their industry set up and the way they're used to this timetable um, but it'd be interesting to see with Netflix and, and Apple and everything, whether this starts to dilute or not. I don't know. That's a really good point. Cause I don't know because, I mean, Netflix is global. So, I mean, in Australia and New Zealand, it's the middle of the summer. So are they watching these in the middle of the summer or are they enjoying themselves like we do in the summer? Or is it just because we're quite far north? So in this country, dark very early uh, in the winter and we're inside for much, much longer. It's, that's a really fascinating an interesting thing. Uh, yeah, I, I shall ask my younger brother in Australia and ask him if he gets the same sort of shows as we do on his Netflix. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see when all of these streaming services like Disney and uh, and Apple get going, what happens. And what I'm more interested, I think, I suppose, is whether people like the BBC, who are traditional and obviously more used to this, have to change as they move into the streaming world, whether they have to say, well, why are we, why are we releasing programmes only in these sort of major seasons. I know at the moment, I think they're trying to change to how long stuff stays on there, aren't they? I think they're yeah. trying to get it to, to stay on there for a year. Should they start releasing stuff all through the year to keep interest like Netflix does? So it'll be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating. The whole industry's kicking off and it's, a, it's basically a new world for everybody because the BBC is very traditional, whether it changes. I must find out what the offer on BritBox as well, because they've got this global service now called BritBox and whether they just throw everything into that and don't care about seasons. That'd be interesting as well. Three things I've been watching. I watched El Camino, the the final 
movie which follows on from Breaking Bad, which I loved to pieces, and we'll probably be talking about that on our review show. I thought that was brilliant. But I've also picked up a couple of things. One on Netflix, uh, which is a historical drama set in the time of the Vikings called The Last Kingdom. That started on the BBC, didn't it, or something? Because the first two or three series were on the BBC and then it moved to Netflix. Ah, did it? And I missed it. Yeah. Right. So I follow a, 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 a blogger and he recommended it. Yeah, I've watched two series and loved it. I just haven't managed to watch it since it's been over on Netflix. The first show rattles along and I thought, wow, this is really, really good. Absolutely invested in that and I'm just going to go and watch one a day uh, and watch the whole three series that are all on Netflix now. And then I've also been watching on Amazon Prime. I know you don't subscribe to that, but on Amazon Prime, I've been watching Mr. Mercedes, which is a Stephen King book. It's about, um, well, you see it in the first two minutes of the show, so it's not really a spoiler. It's about a serial killer who mows down a whole load of people at a job fair, just drives straight into this line of people queued up and kills 16 of them. And then the case never gets resolved. And then you meet the detective who's retired now. And suddenly he starts getting emails from the killer taunting him. You never solved this crime and, you know, I'm going to kill again. So it's a really, it's a cat and mouse. So that's really, really good. Also, in the coming up, um, we've got Rick and Morty coming back in, um, in November. I'm looking forward to that. I'm a big fan of that. And then on Amazon, on about the middle of December, we've got The Expanse coming back, which is my absolute favourite. And then the only other... The Expanse is... It's it's on Amazon at the minute. It's uh, hardcore sci-fi. Earth and Mars have been colonised and people have moved out into the belt and are living in the asteroid belt and around the moons of Jupiter. And the people of the belt are getting fed up with being oppressed by the Earth and the Martians. They've set up their own Outer Planets Alliance, which is like a a terrorist group attacking Earth and Mars. They're fighting back against the oppression from Earth and Mars. And then suddenly they discover that there's this molecule that's come from outside the solar system and everything changes with what this molecule can do. So it's really, really brilliantly done. A huge amount of money they must have spent on this because it's well done. Great cast. Absolutely loving it. And the the third series, uh, fourth series, rather, of The Expanse comes out in the middle of December. And then the one I'm really waiting for is 24th of January. Jean-Luc Picard comes back from Star Trek in his own show called Picard. So I'm looking forward to that. That's my list of things for the winter. And then fitting in Star Wars somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yes. So today, as we're recording this, have you seen the latest, the, the new trailer, yeah. the new final trailers yeah. come out? It's good. I'm going to have to book my tickets soon. So. Yeah, I've just had an email saying, book your tickets now. So I think I'm going to have to do that. That'll be an end of an era. So, And I'm sure Jeff loves loads to moan about. Well, Deck, that's brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Are you looking forward to anything else over the next three or four months? Have you got anything lined up that you're really looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to War of the Worlds, the one that you mentioned that's set in oh, the Victorian yes. era. Yeah, that, that, meant that. to be quite faithful to the book. So, yeah, looking forward to that. 
And of course, we've got the the Dark Materials. So we've got Philip Pullman's yeah. book. Uh, hopefully, they'll do a great version of that because there wasn't much competition from the Golden Compass because that was shockingly bad. Yeah, when I was um, with my son at, at university open day in um, Cardiff, obviously it was all filmed there in one of the main studios, Bad Wolf Studios, and they were saying that each episode cost ten million. The average for Game of Thrones was eight million. So apparently it's very impressive. And he said when you went into the studio, they'd literally built a whole town sort of thing in these studios. He said it was incredible. So, yeah, it looks like a really good production. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. You just need some more time, Graham. <laughs> yeah, if I wasn't editing out all Jeff's inappropriate comments from the main podcast, I'd have loads more time. But OK, that's great. Thank you very much for giving us that info. We'll talk to you next month for more. Carry on streaming. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for having me on and uh, cheerio. Thank you. Even more for me to watch. Hopefully this show has added to your cinema and TV scorecards. Please let us know your thoughts on what we have discussed. See you next time. To make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast, please subscribe to At The Flicks at our website, attheflicks.uk. And if possible, please remember to rate and review At The Flicks wherever you get your podcasts. You can contact the team on Twitter or by email. Our contact details are also on our website, attheflicks.uk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>